Hello, and welcome to Thank You for Toilet Paper, a history of the little things. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miller. Thank you for joining me today. Let's get things rolling. So at work, I just finished up helping with the world's largest family history or genealogy conference. And uh, for the first time, we went virtual. It was global and it was free. And it was exhilarating and exhausting and overwhelming. And I'm still not caught up on sleep. I was not always interested in family history or genealogy or genealogy. I don't know. I say it different, I feel like, from everybody else. I think everyone else says genealogy. I say genealogy. You can take your pick on how you say it, but I'm going to keep calling it genealogy. But I mean, I, I could be saying it wrong, completely wrong, every day at work, repeatedly. Anyhow, we had over 300,000 people sign up to attend from over 200 different countries and territories around the world. It was amazing to see. It's fascinating to see how people interact with family history. For some, the records are kept starting with yourself and then working your way up through your more distant relatives, like I would go from me to my grandma to my great-great-grandma and so on and so forth. But for others, you start with your distant relative and then work your way back down to yourself. And still another approach, you've got family histories that are only kept orally and are passed down for generations. This is the case in Africa where some leaders can remember 14 generations of names in their family, which is incredible. I can't remember my siblings' phone numbers, let alone the names of all of my fourth cousins twice removed. Aside from learning the names of all of your fourth cousins twice removed, and discovering whether or not you're related to Cleopatra, George Washington, Genghis Khan, Nelson Mandela, Pele, or George Friedrich Handel, or maybe finding the fourth generation of Marys in your family, learning about your family story has some surprising results and benefits. There has been a lot of comparison made between the 2020 pandemic and the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. We've looked back and seen history repeat itself somewhat, as communities and societies have tried to figure out how to deal with a new crisis, how best to keep people safe, and how to work together. There was also the trouble of misinformation being spread in the 1918s as well. We can learn many things by looking back. Some of the history and mistakes we uh, repeat, <laughs> others we've learned from, but one thing that we can see is that well, we're still here. We made it through the last time. We can make it through again. A New York Times article by Bruce Feiler entitled The Stories That Bind Us looks at the correlation between knowing our family stories and resiliency in children. Feiler took time to seriously research the question of making a stronger family, and what he found was that there was a correlation to making a strong family narrative. This discovery came from research made by Dr. Marshall Duke of Emory University. Following some observation made by Dr. Duke's wife, Sally, regarding the resiliency of some of her students that she taught and the correlation between that and the family stories that they knew, Dr. Duke worked with Dr. Fivish to develop a list of 20 questions about the family called the Do You Know Scale. They then tested these questions with 48 families in the summer of 2001. After asking the questions of the children, the children also underwent different psychological tests. The questions were as simple as, do you know the story of how you were born? Do you know how your parents met? Or do you know where your grandparents went to school? Some of the other questions asked about a hard time that the family had been through. When the tests were compared, they found a correlation between the more that children knew about their family stories, the more resilient they were with higher self-esteem, a greater feeling of control in their lives, and also believing that their families functioned well. Following these conclusions, in September of 2001, there was a terrorist attack in the United States. 
These psychologists were then able to come back and again test the same children to see how well they fared following the national trauma that every one of them had experienced. The results were the same. Those who knew their family narratives and stories were doing better. Dr. Duke explained that this has to do with these children feeling and understanding that they were part of a bigger family. In his article, Filer goes on to explain that psychologists have found that every family has a family narrative, and those narratives fall into three categories, ascending, descending, and oscillating. The ascending narrative tells of a family that came from nothing, worked hard, and made something of themselves, and now this child has inherited that legacy. The descending narrative is a tale of having had it all and then losing everything. The oscillating narrative happens to be the most helpful and healthy narrative of the three. In the oscillating narrative, there are tales of triumph and failure, of having highs and lows, and the point being that through it all, the family stuck together and they overcame the challenges. Knowing these stories, knowing these family narratives, help a child develop a healthy and strong sense of self and self-confidence. They know they are a part of a bigger picture. These stories help shape their identity. This idea of creating a strong narrative to develop a sense of self goes beyond just families. It is important in large businesses and even in the military, according to Filer's article. To quote directly from Dr. Duke and Dr. Fivish's research and abstract from their paper entitled, Knowledge of Family History as a Clinically Useful Index of Psychological Well-Being and Prognosis, a Brief Report, close quote, that was the title, it's a long title, their study found the following, quote, this one's from the abstract, we report that knowledge of family history is significantly correlated with internal locus of control, higher self-esteem, better family functioning, greater family cohesiveness, lower levels of anxiety, and lower incidence of behavioral problems, close quote. There are loads of ways to get started in genealogy, and it kind of depends on what you most prefer, as well as what you already know of your family chart or tree and what that looks like. If, for example, you have Chinese or Korean heritage and ancestry, you might find yourself with some incredible luck. The Japu or Jokpo of your family and family clans might be able to take you back thousands of years. I myself cannot find ancestors from 100 BC, but some other people can, and it's amazing. If you're like me and you're not so lucky as to have a Japu or a Jokpo, then one way you can start is by talking to your family and asking questions. You can record the stories on your phone and save them. I have memories saved of asking my grandmother how she met my grandfather. It was at a dance. I think what I may end up treasuring even more, though, will be the sound of my grandmother's voice and the way that she talks. On Family Search, you can save these kinds of memories, and I found a memory there that someone else had saved of my great-grandfather talking. I'd never heard his voice before. I don't think I even met him. And it was really cool to be able to hear his voice and the way he spoke and the way he thinks and hear him share a story. You can also ask your family for names and dates that they remember. Birth, death, marriage dates are all good ones to get. If you can't start with family stories, then you can start with records. You can try the census records in your area, or you can decide whether or not you want to do a DNA test. Sometimes I like to just go and look at the countries that my ancestors came from and maybe look it up on like Google Maps or something. Some of my ancestors, as I think I've already said, came from Telemark, Norway. So I've I've gone and I've looked that up. It looks pretty. (laughs) And someday I'll be able to explore the countryside a little bit more. Another way to just get involved is through volunteer efforts with indexing. 
I love indexing. When you index, you look at old handwritten records and you type what you've read. This makes the records searchable in a database, so instead of having to look through a whole book of records for a 1910 census, I can instead use the search bar and go right to it. Loads better. And you can learn a surprising amount while you're indexing. For some of the draft records in the U.S., you can learn about what a person looks like because it's written down. And it's kind of cool to, like, picture these people. Sometimes it's super sobering to learn how young people are who went off to um, such a very difficult experience. Indexing has some pretty amazing extracurricular uses as well. It's used as a volunteer opportunity in prisons and has been helpful to some as they worked to overcome addiction to pornography. DNA testing has become a popular way of engaging in family history. If you want to find out what percentage Norwegian or Korean or Ghanaian you are, there are many DNA tests you can choose from. DNA tests and family history surprisingly became an important part of my life a few years ago when I tested positive for the BRCA2 gene. I was surprised when I went into the doctor's office and was asked about the history of cancer in my family, and they drew the names of my aunt and grandparents who had had cancer on a family tree. By knowing who in my family history had had cancer, I ended up being able to have the test for my gene covered, which was awesome, financially speaking. Not great to have it, but there you go. While family history can be really wonderful, and you can gain a lot of understanding about yourself and your family from it, it can also be really difficult. There is a lot of discussion around DNA tests and whether or not they're a good idea, if your DNA results can be used in other ways, sold to other companies, rather than just being used to find your family, like maybe being used in police work or other practices. So that's something that a lot of people are discussing right now. DNA and family history can also reveal a lot of family secrets. There are some pretty intense stories out there because people have done some pretty intense things, like discovering a family member who had two or three secret families. There's also a reality of dealing with the roles our family members may have played in slavery and other kinds of historical trauma. So can it be great to learn more? Yes. Is it always easy? Absolutely not. One thing that I've learned from doing family history as well is a whole lot of, well, just forgiveness, quite frankly. And I'm still working on it. Um, there are a lot of scary stories in my own family tree as well. Stories of abuse, deception, a lot of pain, a lot of harm. And those can be really, really tough to swallow. There are also, however, stories of resiliency, of people taking their history of abuse and changing them and making a better life for themselves and for their families, breaking the pattern and making a better future. This is the case for everyone's family story. There's always something we can improve. And for many of us, it's our turn to break one pattern or another in our family and make life better for the next generation, because we can. I'm also learning to slow down when I'm learning more about my family and when I notice I'm feeling super judgmental. I don't know all of the things. I don't know what it's like to struggle with alcohol addiction. And I don't know what it's like to struggle with alcohol addiction in the 1800s. So for the alcohol abuse stories in my family histories, I don't know what those family members experienced. So I have to remember that I don't know all the things... It doesn't mean that I have to say that it was okay, but it does mean that if I keep in mind that I don't know all the things that can maybe help me forgive and let go of some of the weight of the responsibility of my family as well. And I can just let them be imperfect people just like I am. So that might be too much of a look into how I approach life. Maybe you do it completely differently. One way or the other, I hope you'll find stories that inspire you and help you feel capable and resilient if you choose to learn more about your family story. Stories of ancestors enduring hardships or overcoming obstacles or grief, of finding healing and holding on long enough to survive, long enough to give you the future that you have ahead of you. 
I hope you find those stories. I know for me, I'm grateful not only for the chance to learn more about the complex ups and downs of my own family history, but also the chance to help others do the same. It's teaching me to be a kinder and more compassionate person who hopefully moves through life a little bit slower and with a lot more compassion. At least that's what I'm practicing. If you're interested in family history, there are loads of places you can learn more. And the event that I just worked on, Roots Tech Connect, has lots of free classes if you want to check those out too. Well, that's it for me this week. We made it through last week. Very tired. It was a great event, but totally worth it. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day.